Chapter 2, Changing Bodies. In 1974, at the ISKCON Center in the countryside near Frankfurt, West Germany, His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada had the following dialogue with Professor Karlfried Graf von Durkheim. Professor Durkheim, a noted religious psychologist and the author of The Way of Transformation, Daily Life as a Spiritual Practice, held a Ph.D. in analytic psychology and was renowned for establishing a therapeutic school <clears throat> a therapeutic school in Bavaria. 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 Bavaria, Bavaria, I think, but I'm not an expert on that. That incorporated both <clears throat> Western and Eastern approaches to the psychology of consciousness. Damn, I like legit want to read this. <laughs> It'd be interesting. <laughs> it actually <clears throat> sounds really interesting. In this conversation, Srila Prabhupada explains the first and most basic principle of reincarnation, that the spiritual living entity is different from the material body. After establishing that the consciousness I'm sorry. After establishing that the conscious self and the body are separate entities, Srila Prabhupada describes how the conscious self or soul perpetually transmigrates to another body at the time of death. Right before you go into Professor Durkheim, <clears throat> I just noticed this picture over here and has a little picture on it. I don't know mm -hmm. if we'll be able to get the picture up or not. We'll see how how well we can get a clear picture of that. Maybe we could throw it up on the screen for a second, mm -hmm. but um, the quote is, the body is really only a mental structure, somewhat like a dream, but the self is different from all of these mental structures. That is self-realization. It says page 27, so I'm wondering if maybe it's referencing something we'll read in a little bit. <clears throat> if so, we can jump back to it maybe, if we see something that... Uh... Yeah, it looks... Yeah, oh, it yeah, looks it, like it's it a part, it's a section of the chapter. Sweet. All right, so beginning with their conversation. Yep. All right. <clears throat> <clears throat> Professor Durkheim. I'll be Professor Durkheim. I'll be. He'll read uh, Srila Prabhupada because it's an it's a interview conversation. So that way can, it's easy to yeah. follow. Professor Durkheim. Okay. In my work, I have found that the natural ego doesn't like to die. But if you go through it, a near-death experience, you seem to cross the threshold of death to quite a different reality. Yes, it is different. The experience is like that of a diseased person regaining his health. So the person who is dead experiences a higher level of reality? It is not the person who has died, but the body. According to Vedic knowledge, the body is always dead. For example, a microphone is made of metal. When electric energy passes through the microphone, it responds by converting sound into electrical impulses, which are amplified and then broadcast over loudspeakers. But when there is no electricity in the system, nothing happens. Whether the microphone is working or not, it remains nothing more than an assembly of metal, plastic, etc. Similarly, the human body works because of the living force within. When this living force leaves the body, it is said that the body is dead, but actually it is always dead. The living force is the important element. Its presence alone makes the body appear to be alive, but alive or dead, the physical body is nothing more than a collection of dead matter. That is... <clears throat> Damn. <laughs> when he breaks it down like, like that, it's so it, clear. You, it's just like... It's like it's like turning on a light bulb. Because like, sometimes it's like, well, how... Well, but it's like, it's the same way we, we manipulate the material energy the same way yeah. that our spiritual soul takes, like, you know, manipulates yeah. the material body to utilize it as a totally. vessel. Totally. Uh, another um, <clears throat> another uh, analogy... Mm. Prabhupada will use sometimes is like a car. 
yeah. the car is dead. It's sitting there. It doesn't do anything. But right. when you get into the car and turn it on, right. you go somewhere, the car moves, it. and then you turn it off and you get out. You are still there. The car is not moving anymore. Yeah. It's, you know, same analogy, but it's, this This is one that you <clears throat> can really, like, apply to your, anyway. Yeah. That's really nice. Uh, yeah, it's super deep, damn. All right. <laughs> so Prabhupada continues. The first teaching of the Bhagavad Gita reveals that the condition of the material body is ultimately not very important. I will try the Sanskrit. I'm probably going to be really bad at it, so forgive and forget if you know Sanskrit better than I do. Asochan anavasochas tvam pragnavarams cha basase gatasun agatasums cha nanusho shokanti pandita. Panditaha. <clears throat> yeah, that was probably about two of those words are right. The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, whilst, this is a translation, so you don't need to understand that. The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, while speaking learned words, you are mourning for what is not worthy of grief. Those who are wise lament neither for the living nor the dead. That is Bhagavad Gita chapter 2 verse 11. Mm. The dead body is not the real subject for philosophical inquiry. Rather, we should concern ourselves with the active principle, the principle that makes the dead body move, the soul. How do you teach your disciples to become aware of this force, which is not matter, but which makes matter appear alive? I can intellectually appreciate that you're speaking a philosophy which contains the truth. I don't doubt it. But how do you make a person feel it? Wow. He just said right there that he doesn't doubt it? And this is a what they say he studied? That's pretty cool. No, it is like right off the bat, he's like, this I makes mean, too much sense for me to like argue with you. If on you it, read a lot of Prabhupada's <clears> other like, you know, especially these conversations where he's talking to scientists and yeah. you know doctors and whatever, what his like from a logical point of view, yeah. when he presents an argument, it's logically so sound, and that is why yeah. he's gotten so many people to like, oh my god, yeah. like, because you can't you, it's hard to argue with it. Just on a purely logical, you know, sure. uh, it's, it's amazing. He's like, <laughs> he's something else. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, <clears throat> okay. Mm. Now, this is a section that's titled, How to Perceive the Soul. And Prabhupada's re replying to the question uh, from the professor, uh, the question being, how do you make a person actually feel this truth beyond just philo philosophizing about it? It is a very simple matter. There is an active principle which makes the body move. When it is absent, the body no longer moves. So the real question is, what is that active principle? This inquiry lies at the heart of Vedanta philosophy. In fact, the Vedanta Sutra begins with the aphorism Atato Brahma Jignasa. What is the nature of the self? This is a translation again. What is the nature of the self within the body? Mm. Therefore, the student of Vedic philosophy is first taught to distinguish the difference between a living body and a dead one. If he is unable to grasp this principle, we then ask him to consider the problem from the standpoint of logic. Anyone can see that the body is changing and moving because of the presence of the active principle, the soul. In the absence of the active principle, the body neither changes nor moves. So there must be something within the body that makes it move. It is not a very difficult concept. The body is always dead. It is like a big machine. A tape recorder is made of dead matter, but as soon as you, the living person, push a button, it works. 
Similarly, the body is also dead matter, but within the body is the life force. As long as this active principle remains within the body, the body responds and appears alive. For instance, we all have the power to speak. If I ask one of my students to come here, he will. He will come. But if the active principle leaves his body, I may call him for thousands of years, but he will not come. That is very simple to understand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's never going to show up. He ain't here no more. Uh, <clears throat> but, but what exactly is that active principle? That is a set. It's kind of like when your cell phone has not been paid, the bill has not been paid. You can call that number a million times. You ain't going to reach that person. Uh, but what exactly is that active principle? That is a separate subject matter. And the answer to that question is the real beginning of spiritual knowledge. Mm. Uh, before I begin, Professor Durkheim, <clears throat> what I'm really starting to appreciate that growing up in the movement, um, you kind of, you take it for granted, or at least I did, you know, mm -hmm. not oh, that I sure. didn't believe in it and I didn't think that it was very valuable, but no, no. you just, you don't know anything else. So you're kind of like, well, duh. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, but now reading it with a more, I guess, materialized mind because of my, you know, being in the real world, you know, whatever. So I can, I tend to kind of be more skeptical when I'm yeah. like, someone tells me something, I'm like, hmm, that sounds interesting, but I want to like verify it. Yeah. So now I am verifying what we grew up with. Yeah, well, at some point you have to and, try to understand what you can't just like, just because you grew up around something. Oh, you know, no, exactly. Like, uh, but it's just, it's not like, like, you know, in the TV shows and the movies, you always see, you know, the, the Harry Krishnas and they're just yeah. like some crazy monks on the side of the road and dressed in orange, like, yeah. and people just kind of dismiss it like, oh, they're, they're wackos. Yeah. But you read it here and it's like some, it, it can be presented in, in, in such a way that like. If you are open-minded yeah. and you're intelligent, it just makes sense. At least it does to me. Not saying that it's like the well, only that's why way I really or like... whatever, but it just, it's, it's, I mean, no, I, I've read the Bible. I have. And yeah. it doesn't answer questions that I have that I thought, well, maybe I can find and see yeah. what other religions answer these questions right. in a different way. Maybe I'll like that. Nope. They don't, most of them don't even touch it. And it's like... <laughs> or at least the translations we have of them now. Because yeah, the yeah, problem is a it, lot of these get watered down, which is yeah. another huge issue. But yeah. No, I mean, they go into really big, de uh, great detail. And the other thing is, I really like the fact that they recorded all these conversations because somebody who has studied so much of it and spent his whole life studying it, basically, as like Prabhupada, is yeah. so able to actually impart the knowledge. And when you're talking to someone like a scientist, like a, you know professional yeah. individual who is studying life and they, they spend their whole career yeah they spend their whole career figuring out fields. like psychology and matter yeah. and all this stuff and then when they are like oh astounded yeah then it really, then it really resonates and like, if you are also with that kind of person logical person yeah. you're like oh this is somebody and you can look up these people that he yeah. talks to and go oh these Read are like his legit book people it's not like some random professor that he found at some small town college yeah. and it makes it sound good like you can look up these people yeah. and it's like these are respected individuals oh, yeah. in their field and yep. it's not the only, like you said, the other books too, like the oh, other one yeah. we were reading. And it, he has it's, all these conversations and that's so powerful because it's like, it is. they have the argument and then he has the answer. And he has the rebuttal. And yeah. The, yeah. No, it's, it's really amazing. cool. <clears throat> all right. Um, 
Professor Durkheim continues, I can understand the point you made about the dead body, that there must be something within to make it alive. The only proper conclusion is that we are talking about two things, the body and the active principle. But my real question is, how do we become aware of the active principle within ourselves as a direct experience and not simply as an intellectual conclusion? On the inner path, isn't it important to actually experience this deeper reality? This section is called I am Brahman, which is spirit. I am Brahman spirit. You yourself are that active principle. The living body and the dead body are different. The only difference is the presence of the active principle. When it is not there, the body is called dead. So the real self is identical with the active principle. In the Vedas, we find the maxim Soham, I am the active principle. It is also said, Aham Brahman Brahmasmi, mm -hmm. I am not this material body. I am Brahman, spirit. That is self-realization. The self-realized person is described in the Bhagavad Gita, Brahma Bhutaha Prasanatma Na Sochati Na Kankshati Na Kankshati. When one is self-realized, he neither hangers nor laments. Samaha sarveshu bhuteshu. He is equal to everyone. Men, animals, all living beings. Consider this. One of your students might say, I am spirit, but he, not, he might not be able to experience it. How can he not experience it? He knows that he is the active principle. Everyone ultimately knows that they are not the body. Even a child knows it. We can observe this by examining the way we speak. We say, this is my finger. We never say, I finger. So what is that I? That is self-realization. I am not this body. And this realization can be extended mm -hmm. to other living beings. Why does man kill animals? Why give trouble to others? One who is self-realized can see, here is another self. He simply has a different body. Mm -hmm. But the same active principle that exists within my body is operating within his body. The self-realized person sees all living entities with equal vision, knowing that the active principle, the self, is present, not only in human beings, but within the bodies of animals, birds, fish, insects, trees, and plants as well. Wow. <laughs> I finger. <laughs> I, that really is that, actually... That like, breaks it down so well. I mean, I think like our the vernacular of our language... Yeah. It's something that we take so for granted that you don't even really give it much more than a cursory, yeah. like, oh, yeah. But that's, yeah, that, that really hits it. Yeah. We don't, you know, this is my this, this is my that, but what yeah. is that my? That's all he's saying. That yeah. my, the... It is the actual principle. You inside your... Another way, or I don't remember the Sanskrit or whatever, uh, yeah, the Sanskrit for it, but it's the, like, the seer, they say, so, like... Yeah. You know, the doer and the seer, I think it is. Mm -hmm. So essentially we're just like watching, you know, we're basically kind of riding through life, watching it happen. Even when we're doing things, it's, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to describe, but when you start to think about it mm -hmm. and really try to like, <clears throat> Yeah. Shift your consciousness awareness, there. That right? awareness of like... Oh, it's awareness. Yes. Yeah, that's... I think that's what he's 
Yeah. He's kind of getting at their... Everything Professor is so Durkheim is saying, like, how can... You know, they might not be able to experience it. Just taking the time to actually sit there and really think about yeah. this... Yeah, can I experience You are experiencing it, it right there. I am. You know, because... Yeah. Just by asking that question, you are, because yeah. you are not this body. Yeah. But, of course, we have... We still... We associate with the body, so there's still more layers to it. But it's For that sure. simple, and then you can begin to have a more awareness of your situation as you learn more. Um, so kind of like, yeah, I guess you have to keep that as like the frame yeah. of the, what do they call the foundation? Yeah. And then... Yeah. Because I think the hardest there. part really is, like, it's easy, like, just like he's saying, Professor Durkheim is raising some really good points. He's, yeah. you know, saying like, yeah, philosophically, great, you know it, but, but, yeah. but then how do you actually, like, and that I think just takes... I mean, God, you practice. And practice, work, and, and yet like, he can explain it. Still, it's like how of you know how can they explain it? It's like, but they are like just well, you. I, I would, think, and I do like that because other. I feel like a lot of times people will just be like, oh, well, that's just the way it is, and then it's like, okay, that doesn't explain my like. He's still explaining it. No, 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 he is. But you I, have to be I willing to have my, an open mind to the explanation it. because if you weren't open-minded, you would just be like, well, that's just word game. You know, like I feel like that you yeah. could be like, no, I'm not going to listen, which is fine. But then, you know, it's a waste of your time probably to hear it at that point. If that's if you're not willing to at least have an open mind as you're mm -hmm. considering it, like you read the Bible, considering. It's not like, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to read it with a completely closed mind, it wouldn't, might as well not, you yeah. know, like. <clears throat> I, I guess I would, the analogy I would use is you're going to anger management. Mm. You know you have an anger problem. Right. But yet only through time in therapy mm -hmm. and continued practice of the tools that the therapist gives you yeah. is going right. to slowly reduce your anger until one day, yeah. oh, there you are. And it's that's really what the path to self-realization is. Yeah. You know, you first you have to admit you have a problem or first you have to admit, <laughs> you oh, have yeah, to I have a problem. I'm, I'm stuck this in this body. Yeah. I am okay. separate from the body. Yeah. Mm. All right. So continuing on with Prabhupada, it's continuing here. It's separated out in the book to a new section from the I am Brahman spirit section to reincarnation in this life. Um, so he just finished saying the, uh, the active principle, the self is present, not only in human beings, but within the bodies of animals, birds, fish, insects, trees, and plants as well. The active principle is the soul and the soul transmigrates from one body to another at the time of death. The body may be different, but the self remains the same. We can observe this change of body even within our own lifetime. We have transmigrated from boy, babyhood to childhood, from childhood to youth, and from youth to adulthood. Yet all the while, the conscious self, or soul, has remained the same. The body is material, and the actual self is spiritual. When one comes to this understanding, he is called self-realized. I think we are now arriving at a very decisive moment in the Western world. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> you don't say. Like, Whoa, baby. <laughs> because for the first time in our history, people in Europe and America are starting to take seriously the inner experiences by which truth is revealed. Of course, in the East, there have always been philosophers who have known the experience by which death loses its terrifying character and becomes the threshold to a more complete life. People need this experience of overcoming their usual bodily habits. Yeah. And if they can break through that bodily experience, 
they suddenly realize that quite a different principle is operating within themselves. They become aware of the inner life. Well, that's a nice way of putting it. Because it's so easy to like get caught up in your day to day, like you know, kind of just meh, next thing you know, you're like, my God, like what was I doing all day today? You totally zoned out, oh, yeah. checked out, like. And the crazy thing is, some people, like, I mean, at least from what it, you know, you know, Prabhupada alludes to this, you know, is that not everyone gets to this self-realization. And he literally just said self-realization is the idea of, or that I am not this body. So a lot of people never even raise that question at all. And from what he's saying here, to even continue on to being aware of the inner life, you have to first raise that question. So if you're not raising that question, for sure. You know, you're you're on autopilot. You're just kind of... Hmm. Prabhupada replies, A devotee of Lord Krishna automatically realizes that different principle because he never thinks, I am this body. He thinks, Aham Brahmasmi, I am spirit soul. The first instruction given by Lord Krishna to Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita is this. My dear Arjuna, you are very seriously considering the condition of the body, but a learned man, but a learned man does not take this material body, either dead or alive, very seriously. This is the first realization on the path of spiritual progress. Everyone in this world is very much concerned with the body, and when it is alive, they take care of it in so many ways. When it is dead, They erect grand statues and monuments over it. This is body consciousness. But no one understands that active principle which gives the body beauty and life. Oh, man. And at the time of death, no one knows where the real self, the active principle, has gone. That is ignorance. During World War I, when I was a young man... Oh, wow. Oh. Damn, he was in World War I that... I spent four years at the front. Oh, my God. <laughs> that probably explains why he went his career path yeah. the way he did. <laughs> he wanted to understand life. He's like, what is the point of all this? Um, yeah. Wow. I was one of two officers in my regiment who was not wounded. One of two officers in my regiment who was not wounded. Oh, my God. On the battlefield... I saw death again and again. I saw people standing just next to me get hit, and suddenly their life force was gone. All that was left, as you say, was a body without a soul. But when the death was near and I accepted that I also might die, I realized that within myself was something that has nothing whatsoever to do with death. Yes. That is self-realization. That's powerful. And see, That's, I think wow. um, I think this is why he was raising that question earlier. Like, how can someone... Yeah, how, like, can, you how can you experience it? it? He experienced it. And he wants to know if there's like a way to like to get pa- back to, to share that, that, to that others complete or, understanding. Yeah. yeah, to get back to it. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> I'm sorry. You said yes. Yes, that is that self-realization. Is self-realization. Okay. Yeah. This experience of war marked me very deeply. It was the beginning of my inner path. In the Vedas, it is said, Narayana paraha sarve na kutashjana bibyati. If one is a God-realized soul, he is not afraid of anything. 
The process of self-realization is a, is a sequence of inner experiences, isn't it? Here in Europe, the people have gone through such experiences. In fact, I believe that is the that this is the real treasure of Europe, that there are so many people who went through the battlefields, through the concentration camps, through the bombing raids, and within their hearts they retain the memories of those moments when death was near, when they were wounded and nearly torn to pieces, and they experienced a glimpse of their eternal nature. But now it's necessary to show people that they don't need a battlefield, to your point. Yeah. They don't need a battlefield, a concentration <clears throat> camp, or a bombing raid in order to take seriously those inner experiences when one is suddenly touched by a sense of divine reality and understands that this bodily existence is not the all in all. We can experience that every night. When we dream, our bodies lie on the bed, but we go somewhere else. In this way, we all experience that our real identity is separate from this body. When we dream, we forget the body lying on the bed. We act in different bodies and in different locations. Mm. Similarly, during the day, we forget our dream bodies in which we traveled to so many places. Perhaps in our dream bodies, we flew in the sky. At night, we forget our waking body, and in the daytime, we forget our dream body. But our conscious self, the soul, still exists, and we remain aware of our existence in both bodies. Therefore, we must conclude that we are not any of these bodies. For some time we exist in a certain body, then at death we forget it. So the body is really only a mental structure, somewhat like a dream. But the self is different from all of these mental structures. That is self-realization. That was what the picture that I read at the very mm -hmm. beginning of this, that was what it was referencing. Man, that paragraph is so freaking... And so crazy. Oof. I used to have so many, such intense dreams when I was younger, too. Yo. And you go back to, like, like you know, sometimes your dreams are just all over the place. But I, for a certain period of time, I would go back to a, you know, because sometimes it's just like a twisted version of, like, Nahir. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. some, You can kind of tell it's like supposed to be somebody's house, but it was, like, some yeah. other place or whatever. But, like, I would go to, like, a whole town that was, like, nowhere I'd ever been. Yeah. Never know what, like... And I would, like, deal with these people that I don't deal with in real life. They weren't, like, people I knew. Yeah. And it was always this, like, whole thing that was going on. Stressful. I'd wake up more stressed than when I went to bed sometimes. <laughs> and then I'd come back and I'd be, like, in this. And it really felt like I was going somewhere. Of course, yeah. not, like, in a physical body. Your body's not traveling anywhere. Yeah. But, like, like he's saying, like, you are doing other things. Whether you want to say it's in your mind or however you want to picture that that's happening. Yeah. Like, and the fact that you go back to the same place, too. It's not like I was, like... Because some mm -hmm. dreams are very, like, frivolous-ish feeling. Mm -hmm. And then other dreams feel so real that it's like, what is happening? Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, this is, you know, a lot, of, a lot of ancient cultures, not just Vedic culture, they, you know, Native Americans, etc., you know, many, especially the, you know, tribal cultures that were more yeah. in touch with nature and whatever, they kind of understood this concept yeah. and that's why they took dreams very seriously because they understood so. that you know there was some deeper meaning to them right <clears throat> but and then they would try to know, induce you it and, using drugs to some yeah. extent and stuff like that yeah but, but you know you <clears throat> in the dream while you're having that nightmare while you're having that dream to you yeah. right then and there it feels just as real as you oh, yeah. sitting right here oh yeah so it's do you do you like, fly in your dreams I actually, you know what? I when I was younger, I used to have more dreams of flying. Yeah. 
And I just had a really weird dream the other night when we were down in visiting my brother. And I started to tell Shar about it. Like, it was one of those dreams that was super vivid. You wake up and you're like, this is so crazy. I need to yeah. tell someone about yeah. it. And literally, by the time I started telling Shar, it was like trying to trying hold to sand. Yeah. And it just, and all I remember, there was a lot of climbing in it. Like, I was climbing uh -huh. Mount Everest or something, something very like similar that. to yeah. it. And I had, like, at one point, I had Veda or Shruti with me. And I had him in my like on my back and we were just like climbing up this damn mountain and then it shifted and there was like another part where I was like on the roof of the car with someone else and it was going down the road and then you know we're just you know like oh wow this is so cool and then next thing I know I'm like wait a second I'm the one that was driving the car and yeah. then as soon as I realized that the car started swerving all over the oh, road God. and we're on the roof now and I'm like ah <laughs> and then it just kept snapping from like thing to thing to thing and I'm like and yeah, it was just really, uh, yeah, I don't know. Wow. Yeah, I, uh, I have dreams sometimes about flying, but it's interesting because I was talking, Papa was talking about how he flies. My granddad was talking about how he flies in his dreams. Mm -hmm. But he talks about it like he just like kind of like there and he just lifts up and he just like smoothly flows around. But like in my <laughs> dreams when I, when I fly, I like, I like have to almost like I'm running like on a bike or something, mm -hmm. my legs. And then I can like control the elevation oh, by how fast I move my legs. It's like this whole thing that I have to do. <laughs> funny. But it was funny because I was saying that and then my grandmother, Mammy, she was like, that's how I fly in my dream. She was oh, like, really? I have to do this, like, yeah. You have to work for it. You have to work for it. Like a bird Papa flapping. is just there like a yogi, like, <laughs> just going places with, like, the power of his mind. For some oh, reason, funny. this is bugging me. I'm worried that maybe it's rubbing. I don't think it is, but it's like, I'm going to keep getting distracted by it. I'm going to have to try to pay attention. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting, though, all the, the things that we get up to in our dreams. The oddities. Yeah. But... <clears throat> mm. Lord Krishna yeah. says in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 3, text 42, Indriyani paranyarhor, indriyabhyaha paramanaha, manasas tu parabudhir, yo buddhe buddha paratas tu saha. I am reading that right. The H with the dot underneath of it is a ha at the end, sure. or am I wrong about that? Is that sa? Tu sa or tu saha? Tu sa. It is just sa? The dot underneath doesn't mean ha. Namah. It's been so long since I've read Sanskrit properly, and I'm feeling like such a like complete uh, nonsense. Although the more I read it, the more it kind of comes back to me. I think you're right. It is just ah. What is the? There is one that means aha though, and I I never. I think I'm mixing two up. Finding the <clears throat> there depending on which, like how the verse is structured. Yeah. There's different tunes, and if you sing it in the right tune, then it kind of even if your sense. pronunciation is bad, it helps the because the it. words flow. Indriyani paranyarhor. How do, what is this tune? Can you do it better than I'm doing it? Indriyani paranyarhor. Indriya Indriyabhya param. Params mana. Mana sastu parabudhir yobudhe paratastusa. Indriyani paranyarhor, indrevaya paramana, manasas tu parabudhir, yobudhe paratas tu sa. Yeah, there you go. Interesting. Yeah, if you it's do it, so if you, if you sing that, it, oh that's why they're, the, they write them in the verses. It just, yeah, it makes it makes more sense, yeah. especially if you kind of remember a little bit of what, man, the, the amount of verses we used to memorize, and now oh, I know nothing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <clears throat> um, the working, okay, this is a translation. 
The working senses are superior to dull matter. Mind is higher than the senses. Intelligence is still higher than the mind. And he, aka the soul, is even higher than the intelligence. Earlier today, you spoke about the false ego. Did you mean that the real ego is the soul? Yes, that is the pure ego. For instance, mm. now I have this 78-year-old Indian body, and I have this false ego that thinks, I am Indian. I am this body. This mm. is a misconception. Someday, this temporary body will vanish, and I'll get another temporary body. It's just a temporary illusion. The reality is that the soul, based on its desires and activities, transmigrates from one body to another. Can consciousness exist apart from the material body? Yes. Pure consciousness, the soul, does not need a material body. Material body. For instance, when you dream, you forget your present body, but you still remain conscious. The soul, the consciousness, is like water. Water is pure, but as soon as it falls from the sky and touches the ground, it becomes muddy. Yes. Similarly, we are spirit souls. We are pure, but as soon as we leave the spiritual world and come in contact with these material bodies, our consciousness becomes covered. The consciousness remains pure, but now it is covered by mud, aka this body. And this is why people are fighting. They are wrongfully, wrongly identifying with the body, thinking, I am German, I am English, I am American, I am Indian, I am black, I am white, I am this, I am that. Starting to sound like Dr. Seuss. So many bodily designations. These bodily designations are impurities. That is why artists sculpt or paint nude figures. In France, for example, they regard nakedness as pure art. Similarly, when you understand the nakedness or true condition of the spirit soul, Without these bodily designations, that is purity. Why does it appear to be so difficult to understand that one is different from the body? <clears throat> it is not difficult. You can experience it. It is only because of foolishness that people think differently. But everyone really knows, I am not this body. This is very easy to experience. I am existing. I understand that I have existed in a baby's body. I have existed in a child's body, and also in a boy's body. I have existed in so many bodies, and now I am in an old man's body. Or, for example, say you have now put on a black coat. The next moment you may put on a white coat, but you are not that black or white coat. You have simply changed coats. If I called you Mr. Black Coat or Mr. White Coat, that is my foolishness. Similarly, in my <laughs> lifetime, I have changed bodies many times, but I am not any of these bodies. This is real knowledge. <clears throat> and yet, isn't there a difficulty? For instance, you may have already intellectually understood very well that you are not the body, but you may still have the fear of death. Doesn't that mean you didn't understand it by experience? As soon as you've understood by experience, you should have no fear of death, because you know that you can't really die. Experience... <clears throat> is received from a higher authority, from someone who has higher knowledge. Instead of my trying to experience for years and years that I am not this body, I can take the knowledge from God or Krishna, the perfect source. Mm. Then I have experienced my deathlessness by hearing from a bona fide authority. That is perfect. Yes, I understand. Therefore, the Vedic instruction is 
tad vijnartam sa gurum eva bigachet. Bigachat. Bigachet. In order to get first class experience of the perfection of life, you must approach a guru. And who is a guru? Whom should I approach? I should approach someone who has heard perfectly from his guru. This is called disciplic succession. I hear from a perfect or disciplic, disciplic succession, succession, right? I hear from a perfect person and I distribute the knowledge in the same way without any change. That's really important. Like I was saying earlier about how you don't know how people translate books and stuff. Yeah. That's what the, the trouble is with a lot of these is that they've been watered down in some way or another. Yeah, for um, sure. And I distribute the knowledge in the same way without any change. Lord Krishna gives us knowledge in the Bhagavad Gita, and we distribute the same knowledge without changing it. <clears throat> That's interesting, because here he is saying without changing it, with, you know, yeah. change, without change. Yeah. And it's no different than the body and the soul. Yeah, the soul the doesn't change. soul doesn't change. So the message, so the, essentially, the true that's knowledge. What he, you know, the, this is, so when he, you know, refers to it as spiritual knowledge. Yeah. It's not just spiritual knowledge because it's about spiritual things. It's spiritual because it's unchanging. The message is, yeah. it, it is as applicable as it is 5,000 years ago as it yeah. is today. And it's like, whew. Yeah, that is... Speaking of not changing it, Bhagavad Gita is the, you know, kind of like the Bible-ish of like what our religion, but it is important to note if someone's listening to this and leaves out before this gets mentioned somewhere else, um, Bhagavad Gita as it is, is yeah. the translation that is the purest, whereas there are other versions of Bhagavad Gita that someone yeah. else who studied Sanskrit has translated, but the translations are quite different in some parts of it, and, yeah, and it's some more of them clear are, that some, some of them of are good, but, but it's the coming problem from, is... Uh, their, um, their interpretation well, of words. Well, like he says right here, it's not, not coming from, from disciplic succession. Yeah, not coming from a, a really so well-learned spiritual it has those people's teacher. own spin on it. Right. Prabhupada does... If you read the Bhagavad Gita, which I'm in the middle of reading again right yeah. now, he does the Sanskrit. He does the purport, He which does is the translation, and the translation is, is direct. Direct, and, you know, the, granted, the translations can be open... You know, if you're like a Sanskrit scholar, yeah. the translations could be open to like some slight variation, like when describing something. Right. But then, on, but then that's what then he separate. He has his purport, and the purport is him explaining the right. me, the message of intent behind the verse. Right. Which he then he learned from his teacher, and he learned from yeah. his teacher like that, which yeah. is what he's just talking about here. This disciplic succession. Mm. Uh, oh, it's my turn. Mm. Over the past 20 or 30 years, there has been a great awakening of interest in spiritual topics in, Western, in the Western part of the world. But on the other hand, if the scientists want to eliminate the human self, they are well on the way to doing it with their atomic bombs and other technical innovations. If they want to guide humanity to some higher goal, however, then they have to stop looking at man in a materialistic way through their scientific spectacles. They must look at us as we are, conscious selves. The goal of human life is self-realization or God-realization, but the scientists do not know that. Modern society is presently led by blind and foolish men. The so-called technologists, scientists, and philosophers do not know the real aim of life, and the people themselves are blind as well. 
So we have a situation in which the blind are leading the blind. If a blind man tries to lead another blind man, what type of results can we expect? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> a vision of like... A vision of a whole line of blind men with their canes. Old school like... Charlie Chaplin just like bumbling into stuff. <clears throat> oh, man. Mm. Not knocking blind people. No, no, not at all. But it's just like, you know, they but can't... It, yeah. they, they don't have the visual... They're visually impaired. Yeah, you yeah. Know, um, no, this is not the process. One must approach a self-realized person if he wants to understand the truth. Um, at this point, it says more guests have entered the room. Um, so what we have disciples uh, so now, now as well. A disciple, yeah. I guess I'll. You can read for the yeah. disciple as well and just differentiate. Okay. Yeah. So this is a disciple, not a student of Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada. These gentlemen are professors of theology and philosophy. I guess he's introducing Oh, goodness. Himself. And this okay. is Dr. Dara. He is the leader of a society for the study of yoga and integral philosophy here in Germany. Srila Prabhupada greets them and the conversation resumes. Uh, Professor Durkheim. May I ask another question? Isn't there another level of experience that opens the door to some deeper consciousness for the common man? Yes, that experience is described by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, text 13. That's the other thing. He pulls these, like, he knows every single <laughs> by verse heart. by heart. By heart. Pull it out. I'm that, like, I can't even imagine. Like, even if it wasn't that's, spiritual that's, teaching, that's, that's a bona fide. Yeah, oh no, I, I mean, dude, and, and, and he does that. By like, heart. You listen to his <clears throat> lectures, and it's not like... It's not like he builds one lecture around one, no, no, one no. or two quotes. Somebody brings up a question, He'll and he goes, oh, whip. that's, that's the answer <laughs> yes. here. And it's like another book that he doesn't Bro, have that's just like... Blam! Like, the level of it intelligence would, It would take me, so if someone high. asked me these questions, I'd be sitting there doing hours of research oh, yeah. to sit there and come well, up with the quotes. But that's why it's important yeah. to read so that when someone asks you questions... Yeah, well, yeah like the question I had the other day that much, I was talking to you about from, uh, from work, and I'm like, I didn't have... Now, not to say I had so a general idea, you know, you like, can, and I can kind of explain where yeah. it's coming from and what I believe, but I also had yeah. to say, I'm not well-versed enough to be able to just give you... Whereas if this Prabhupada had gotten a question like to. that, he would have been like, here's seven <laughs> verses, <laughs> here's what they mean, here's the interpretation. <laughs> He's like, it's just like this, For sure. and that is that. For sure. It's amazing. Yeah, no, so, <laughs> this is what made me realize like <clears throat> i i need to read not because i want to be able to whip out verses like that but just no. because like i because I, we're searching for information we're searching though. for information and and like think about it right coronavirus is happening yeah when you go on tv and you're interviewing a doctor from the world health organization yeah if that doctor couldn't pull facts out of his ass no right then and there yeah. how authoritative would he sound on, right. on live tv Right. He would, he you would be like, what are you doing? But yeah. if he was having to, oh, hold, hold, hold on one second. Let me, um, I have a spreadsheet here. Uh, but when you can just drop facts and facts and facts, and then someone who's sitting watching or listening, yeah. I want to verify those facts and looks it up and they're like, and they're oh, damn, right. man, they were yeah. right on. Yeah. You, you, you're going to give, that person now <clears throat> has a whole ton more credibility. Yeah. To it, you know, maybe you don't necessarily believe what they say, but you're at least sure as hell going to listen. Because you're, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> we run on, we're running on 50 minutes. We should probably keep these to an hour if we can. We've got yeah. about five more pages. So let me read this verse from Bhagavad Gita and we'll continue. Okay. Um, Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, text 13. 
It does make it a lot easier. Rattle it off like a pro. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it way easier when you sing it. Yeah. As the embodied soul continually <laughs> passes in this body from childhood to youth to old age, the soul similarly passes into another body at death. A sober person is not bewildered by such a change. That was the translation. <clears throat> okay. But first, one must understand the basic principle of knowledge, that I am not this body. When one understands this basic principle, then he can advance to deeper knowledge. It seems, uh, this is Professor Durkheim still. I think it's going to mostly be him. We'll, we'll specify if it's not okay, Prabhupada okay. or Durkheim, and then we'll just read yeah, otherwise. Because like I think, mo I think they only interrupted like, very <clears throat> briefly. It seems that, or it seems to me that there is a big difference between the Eastern and Western approaches to this problem of body and soul. In the teachings of the East, you have to become free of the body, whereas in Western religions, a person tries to realize the spirit within the body. This is very easy to understand. We have heard from the Bhagavad Gita that we are spirit, that we are within the body. Our sufferings come about because of our identification with the body. Because I have entered into this body, therefore I am suffering. So either Eastern or Western, my real business should be how to get out of this body. Is that point clear? Yes. The term reincarnation means that I am a spirit soul who has entered a body. But in my next life, I will enter another body. It may be a dog's body, it may be a cat's body, or it may be a king's body. But there will be suffering, either in the king's body or in the dog's body. These sufferings include birth, death, old age, and disease. Um, my, my granddad just told me the other day that he said he's heard that the, well, I think it's a, lot, a lot of us have heard, but that birth is more painful than death in most cases. And that he's like, that doesn't give me much hope for my future. I mean, depending on what kind of way yeah, you die. Depending on how you go. But, but, but I think sure, in general, I think I mean, birth yeah, is man, very you, painful. I, can, I can't can even you imagine. imagine getting, I mean. It's probably I, why you can't remember I, it. It's traumatic as yeah. all get out. <laughs> you don't want to remember that. Imagine it. I meant remember. I don't know why I said imagine. I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean, don't need to imagine it. It happened. And babies be <clears throat> screaming right. when they come out. <laughs> it can't be you know, pleasant. It's really weird. Is that for, so apparently I didn't cry. Really? Yeah, apparently I came out. My mom said my head was about this far out of her, and I was already. Ha I opened my eyes, and I was looking around the room, like, checking it out. And I didn't oh cry. God. I came out, and I was just, like, checking out the situation. Like, like, I was just like, where great, am I? I'm here again. Right? And my soul was like, where in... Ah, I thought I wasn't coming back. And then, but I, like, I wasn't upset. Like, she said I wasn't crying. I wasn't... And she's that like, wow. Funny. And then she said it gave her a real false idea of what it's like to have kids because then all my siblings. But, you know, we're also all obviously different temperament just in life like we all are. Um, you know, they're more more in touch to some extent with how they're feeling and things, which is better in some cases. But just interesting that even at birth, the difference, which is another thing, like you've had no time to develop a personality and yet you're different at birth than another baby would yeah. be. That's wild. Wow, that's you know, true. Yeah. I didn't even thought about that until just now. Damn. But <laughs> like, it's like oh, yeah, like we're we're all Thanks, different. Children are different, right? making me think. <laughs> Woo. All right, where was I? Um, okay, so these sufferings include birth, death, old age, and disease. So, in order to abolish these four kinds of suffering, we have to get out of the body. That is man's real problem: how to get out of this material body. This takes many lives. It can take many lives, or you can do it in one lifetime. If you understand in this life that your sufferings are due to this body, 
Then you should inquire how to get out of the body. And when you get that knowledge, you will know the trick. How to get out of the body immediately. And I don't... I mean... Hmm. I think when he says immediately, he yeah. means like... Immediately as in like after this life, right? Yeah, I'm assuming that that's what he's talking about. But, I mean, if one were... I mean, you never know. Maybe because they, they talk about some sages that just decide... I'm that's very my body true. Now, like Yoda yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, like yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yoda, he's just like, yeah. it's my time. You know, yeah, and he's yeah. gone. Um, sure. then, now, I mean, I don't know about the body disappearing. That's a whole other thing. That's well, like Star no, no, Wars-y. No, no. But, like, but I know for you sure could leave your body like, probably if you got to that... Other... To that place. Yeah, you get to the... I'm not saying the, many people get there, but in not, theory. Not, not, not today, um, my God. I think when the body starts to break down, it becomes a lot easier for you to abandon it because you kind of have to versus mm-hmm. when you just decide that you're going to like separate from it permanently. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that's probably may not even be super possible anymore. I don't know all the ins and outs of these things. But yeah, he's def- I, I would assume he's talking about what, like, what you were saying. Okay. <clears throat> uh, but that doesn't mean that I have to kill the body. Oh, that doesn't mean that I have to oh, kill the go. body, does it? Doesn't it mean that I realize my spirit is independent from my body? There you go. We should have just kept reading. (laughs) No, it isn't necessary that the body be killed. But whether your body is killed or not, someday you will have to leave your present body and accept another one. That is nature's law, and you cannot avoid it. It seems that there are some points here which are in accordance with Christianity. It doesn't matter whether you're a Christian, Muslim, or Hindu. Knowledge is knowledge. Whatever knowledge is available, you must pick it up. And this is knowledge. <laughs> it's like money. Money is money. You see money, you got to get it. And this is knowledge. Every living being is imprisoned within a material body. This knowledge applies equally to Hindus, Muslims, Christians, everyone. The soul is imprisoned within the body and must therefore undergo birth, death, old age, and disease. But we all want to live eternally. We want full knowledge. We want full blissfulness. To attain this goal, we must get out of the body. This is the process. Uh, now, Professor Dara... This is the one or the other. He's yeah, the he, yoga one, I think? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, okay. You stress the point that we must get out of the body, but shouldn't we accept our existence as human beings? Well, we got some kids uh, not accepting their existence as human beings next door. <laughs> um, but uh, <clears throat> hopefully they're not too loud on the mics. You propose accept so in response, Prabhupada says, you propose accepting our existence as human beings. Do you think that existing within this human body is perfect? No, I don't say it is perfect. But we should accept this and not try to create some ideal situation. So you admit that your condition is not perfect. Therefore, the correct idea should be to discover how to become perfect. But why do we have to become perfect as spirit? Why can't we become perfect as humans? This guy clearly is not as uh, bright. Either that or he's asking the well, question. Well, I mean, this is a good question, of... though, because these no, are the no, things that, is, like, when you're talking is. to people that aren't familiar, yeah. they're like, well, why not? Or I, like, should, I shouldn't say he's not Why shouldn't not I as... enjoy? Why shouldn't I? Professor Durkheim seems much more receptive, whereas he seems to... Like, well, like he's... he said that he's had the realization fully. Yeah, yeah. Of no, war. of course. Because yeah, yeah, of the yeah, war. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah right, like, he's, right. at a, he's at a different place in yeah, his understanding, yeah, true, for true. sure. Um, I, I agree. <clears throat> um, so Prabhupada replies to why can't we become perfect as humans? You have already admitted that your situation within this human body is not perfect. So why are you so attached to this imperfect situation? <laughs> Goodness. It's like when you have that old car that just keeps breaking down and you just need to get rid of it. Yeah. <clears throat> Our Jetta. The old Jetta. God. This body is an instrument through which I can communicate with other people. That is also possible for the birds and beasts. 
But there is a big difference between the talking of birds and beasts and our talking. What is the difference? They are talking in their community, and you are talking in your community. And this is back to Professor oh. Durkheim. And that he is really shuts, good. He shuts him down so like it's not like, shuts him down in a bad way, but it's no, like but he, he clear, answers he the answers question, question so clearly, and it's like if somebody well, asked me that, I might not know how to answer that. Yeah. But he's just like it's very basic. You boil it down to the simplest thing, and then yeah. you go. That's it. <laughs> wow. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> really seriously, this is amazing. I believe the real point. Uh, this is back to Durkheim. Yeah. yeah. I believe the real point is that the animal has no self consciousness. He does not understand what he is in essence. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, that's a very fair point. Srila Prabhupada replies, Yes, that is the real point. A human being can understand what he is. The birds and beasts cannot mm -hmm. understand. So, as humans, we should endeavor for self-realization and not simply act on the level of the birds and beasts. So it's kind of continuing, I mean, it's kind of obvious probably, but he's kind of continuing the answer to Dara here because he's saying what's... Because Dara was saying, like, you know, why, my, we might as well make the best of a bad situation. Yeah, yeah. You know? And he's saying, yeah, you um, are right, but... He's saying that, you know, when you're a bird and beast, you have no choice but to make the best of a bad situation. Yeah. As a human, you have the opportunity to possibly do better. Yeah, I, if, if, not, for lack yeah, of a not that he was right, it. but... To say he, that... He was right to say that, like, you should be attached to being... Not attached to being a human being. You should be aware like, that you are human. It's, you it's, have a, it's be, a that gift. You're in a human body. Because we but have the ability. But it's a gift because you have the ability to think further, yeah. whereas most forms of life, yeah. they're stuck in that form. That's all they know. Yeah. <clears throat> no ant is sitting there thinking about the soul. At least, well, no <laughs> ant nowadays on some of these stories, but yeah. no, no, generally no. Um, or probably ever really no. I think those are just mainly to make a point Dude, when they make those stories. Dude, you know what? <clears throat> For the little thumbnail... Mm. You could get someone to draw an ant sitting there doing yoga. That would be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh my god, that'd sorry. be cool. No, that, that is cool. I like that. <laughs> oh god. Yes. If somebody wants to draw an ant, we'll probably already have it by this point. But just in case, never know. Maybe the one person that watches this will be like, "I'll draw an ant." Um, ant doing yoga. <clears throat> doing yoga there specifically. Yeah. Okay. Sri Prabhupada says. Um, Okay, I'm just going to start over. Yes, that is the real point. A human being can understand what he is. The birds and beasts cannot understand. So as humans, we should endeavor for self-realization and not simply act on the level of the birds and beasts. Therefore, the Vedanta Sutra begins with the aphorism Atato Brahma Jignasa. Jigna, jig, 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 jignasa. Yeah. Human life is meant for inquiring about the absolute truth. That is the aim of human life not eating and sleeping like the animals. We possess extra intelligence with which to understand the absolute truth. In Srimad Bhagavatam, chapter one, or book one, or what is it, canto uh, one, canto, they call it canto one, but it's basically two, book, kind of like book one. Uh, yeah, chapter two, verse 10. It is said, Kamasya nendriya pritir, labho jivata yavata, yavata, jivasya tattva jignasya nerto yascha karmabihi, yeah, it's not yeah, the, so good. Yeah, the, the Most of the Bhagavatam verses have a slightly different meter than the Bhagavatam. I've always been which bad you, about that. You did, uh, I, at the end, I figured it out, but the yeah. first two were pretty bad. I, 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 do, I have the same <clears throat> problem when I'm reading Bhagavatam verses. I'm not good verses, at carrying a tone. Then, I'm and real. And switching up, yeah. I get like... Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not... Or tune, I'm not tone. <clears throat> well, I think my tone is not great, but I think my tune is where I really struggle. Um, just in general, what to speak when I'm doing stuff like this. Okay, so the translation... <clears throat> Life's desires should never be directed towards directed toward sense gratification. 
one should desire only a healthy life or self-preservation. Since a human being is meant for inquiry about the absolute truth, nothing else should be the goal of one's works. Professor Dara, but is it just a waste of time to use our bodies to do good to others? You cannot do good to others because you do not know what good is. Ooh. It's like to help. It's kind of like on the plane. They tell you put your own mask on before yeah, you try to put someone else's mask sure. on. You can't help anybody if you're not there anymore. Um, you are thinking of. Okay, so he continues. You are thinking of good in terms of the body, but the body is false in the sense that you are not the body. For instance, you might occupy an apartment, but you are not that apartment. If you simply decorate the apartment and forget to eat, can that be good? <coughs> oh. <laughs> no, probably not. I would love like. Wow, I know there's this a lot of audio recording. Like I know. My, Can you believe that? Like you could have like sat and dude, talked to him like this. The beautiful thing is, on, like on YouTube, there's, there's so much. You can listen to so many of his lectures. The, the only problem like, is it, it can be difficult for people to understand because he, he does have he a does thick have accent. An accent. Because I lived in India for you so many years as young, yeah. like I hear him and it just it makes sense. I, like I mean, I, I, I don't can understand. But the for the, the most one part. YouTube channel that I found. Um, they, do the, they, they have do the, they have the, yeah, the transcription or yeah. tra subtitles subtitles whatever yeah. or uh, yeah so you can you can read along the transcript the transcript yeah um, but that is really helpful because some like I can understand most of it but every now and then I'm like what did he say and it's much easier if you read and yeah. then if you did that and it's for nice a while I'll like screenshot to them too because I'm like ooh that's a really nice quote and you can screenshot the, and it's right there yeah, it's but yeah I think that I'm sure if you watched a bunch of those videos and got into it then when you were listening to him without a video yeah. you probably understand him better too. Um, okay. uh, uh, Professor Dara, I don't think this comparison of the body with a room is very good. That's because you don't know that you are not the body. <laughs> Man. <laughs> but if we go out of a room, the room remains. When we go out of the body, it doesn't remain. Eventually, the room will also be destroyed. <laughs> this is true. You leave the, just like the body decomposes. Because first of all, the body doesn't vanish. Down. It's not yeah, like Star Wars. It, yeah. The body doesn't vanish. The body's there. It's dead for a yeah, while. Yeah, or it turns into... The room stays. It slowly gets destroyed. Yeah, yeah good point. <clears throat> all right, Professor yeah. Dara. <laughs> what I meant to say is that there must be a very intimate connection between the body and the soul. A kind of oneness, at least, as long as we are alive. No, that is not real oneness. There is a difference. For instance, the room we are presently in is important to me only as long as I am alive. Otherwise, it has no importance. When the soul leaves the body, the body is thrown away, even though it was very dear to its owner. But what if you don't want to leave your body? I don't think you have a choice. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, you need to ask some people in the graveyard if they had a choice about it. Yeah. Uh, it is not a question of what you want. You must leave. Uh, just to be clear, because I kind of ran right into it. Sri Prabhupada's answer begins with, It is not a question of what you want. You must leave. As soon as your death comes, your relatives will throw out your body. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Durkheim. Perhaps it makes a difference if a person thinks I am the spirit and I have a body rather than I am the body and I have a soul. Ooh. Yes. Switch it up. Mm. That's a very good point. Yes, it is a mistake to think that you are the body and possess a soul. That is not true. You are the soul and you are covered by a temporary mm. body. So they're agreeing here. The soul is the important thing, not the body. For example, as long as you wear a coat, it is important to you. But if it becomes torn, you throw it away and purchase another coat. The living being constantly experiences the same thing. You separate from this present body and accept another body. That is called death. The body which you previously occupied becomes unimportant, and the body you now occupy becomes important. That is the big problem. People give so much importance to a body that within a few short years will be exchanged 
for another one. And that is the end of chapter two. That is the summary we already read. So mm. actually, it's something that's coming up. So we'll Dude, that oh man, that was that is heavy. good. Ooh. That was really good. <laughs> I really, I, I mean, really enjoyed that. Yeah, it, I mean, I think we got to a good place. We're right about an hour, I think, give yeah. or take a few, because we started recording before we actually started. So yeah, you could probably cut out some in the beginning. Yeah. All right, guys, thanks for watching. We'll uh, see you next week. Yep.